1: And good evening to you, wherever you may be. Welcome to Lighthouse Live. Pastor Mike Douglas here, along with Elaine Harlan, our producer and co-host, and Elaine, tonight is family time. Yes, isn't it? it is. Tonight is family time wherever you are, uh, it, uh, unless you're driving. This would probably not be so good, but mm, no. if you're not driving, if you're home or office, we ask you to pull up a chair because this is family time at Advancing Vibrant Communities tonight where we uh, bring uh, volunteers and their families uh, to the table, and we're going to talk about what God has been doing through them and in them as they are uh, uh, obeying Christ's command and, and, living it out to not only love God with our whole beings, but to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we'll be introducing you, uh, to them in just a few moments. And you can hear Mackenzie in the back. Mackenzie is a new member yes, of the ABC. Yay. How Woo-hoo. old is Mackenzie, LaShawn?
2: uh... Mackenzie is nine and a half months. Nine wow. and a half
1: months oh, old. We so so we're, that. we're thrilled to have yes. her with us and a fresh reminder of, of God's blessing there, uh, tonight. Amen. Uh, Just a reminder, friends, if you'd like to get uh, to know more opportunities to serve, you can check our daily update page at www.vibrantcommunities.org. That's vibrantcommunities.org. Click on the little red, flashy uh, icon, gizmo daily thingy. thing, yes. gizmo, and yeah. that little red, flashy daily will take you right to the daily <laughs> update page. Elaine updates that uh, several times a day and, uh, and uh, the op- new opportunities to serve there uh, quite a bit. And again, welcome to our international listeners. Uh, just checking uh, our uh, website today, and a bunch of you from Germany
0: wow.
1: listening in. Great to have you with us. Anyone a- from Ireland? Uh, You know, there is no one from Ireland, and of course as we're live today, it is St. Patrick's Day, and not so much uh, celebrating the myth of the snakes and all that, but St. Patrick, just a wonderful servant of God, taken as a slave as a young boy to Ireland, and then uh, was able to escape to go back to England, and later went back and became uh, an amazing witness for the Lord in the same places where he had been taken a slave and was able actually to convert many tribes uh, in Ireland and uh, a special place in our family, the Douglas family's heart there in Ireland, and and Elaine, the Harlan clan as well, and your clan, and so uh, we celebrate uh, St. Patrick today. Of course, those of you who are listening on the archive, maybe a couple days past that, but uh, but that's okay. Uh, You know, friends, before we get into today's program, by the way, again, uh, Elaine Harlan, our producer and co-host with us, and... Our predecessor, the inimitable Mr. Al, Al Ramsey, with us as well. Uh, you may have heard uh, a couple of weeks ago a decision by the Second uh, uh, District Court of Appeals in California regarding homeschooling, and this is uh, a case regarding Rachel L. Uh, this is a family down in the uh, Southern California area. Uh, the court ruling that uh, parents do not have the right to homeschool their their, uh, students and so we went to our civics consultant our friend from the institute of principal studies Mike Winther and we asked Mike how is this going to affect homeschooling students
3: you know it's interesting as a a background uh, homeschooling always has been uh, in danger to one degree or another Uh, I recall when I was uh, a young man in my high school years uh, homeschooling was not really on the radar screen too much but not far from my hometown up in Idaho, there's a family who was uh, trying to homeschool. Mm. And that family uh, was in and out of jail several times uh, just for homeschooling their kids. Uh, no accusations of abuse, no other indications of any, any problem. Uh, now, homeschooling has become much more comfortable uh, since the 70s. Uh, you don't have to be quite as brave to do it as you used to. Um and in California, we have enjoyed for uh, several decades a very homeschool-friendly environment, uh, much more so than most states. Uh, this court case, uh, which some people may be familiar with if they heard the Focus in the Family Broadcast or, or others, uh, is a case that <clears throat> went to an appeals court in California. And the appeals court ruled that there was no parental right to educate your kids and that the only uh, acceptable education to the state was education by a certified teacher, which would mean, um, if that ruling were to stand, that only uh, families who had a parent who was a certified teacher could homeschool. Uh, Now, this is being challenged on on several fronts, and frankly, I don't expect this ruling to stand. Uh, I think it will be lost on appeal. What is interesting, however, was it it was a three-judge panel on this appeals court, and the idea that we have free judges that uh, don't believe parents have a right to educate their kids is a scary thought indeed
1: well it, it um, is and I, and I think what worries a lot of us mike is is and you know we talk about slippery slopes and in, in a lot of different uh, venues but you know here is one where the state keeps encroaching on the rights of parents that that god gave them to raise their own children i think this is one of the major concerns in this whole
3: I, Absolutely, and I, I think we always have to look first at what is right, and then second at what is legal in the the legal situation. Uh, clearly, from my perspective, parents have an absolute right to educate their kids. Um, and From my perspective, I, I believe parents have a right to not educate their kids. Uh, I don't recommend that, but that is, I think, a parental right that we have to allow um, allow to be out there. And what's happened in modern society? We have developed idols. And any Christian listening to us is aware of that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of messages about how we make our BMW our idol or our job, our prestige, or <clears throat> you know, how good our lawn looks. But frankly, we've idolized education mm-hmm. in society. And you know, we have elevated it to be a higher goal than it really is. If we look scripturally, uh, the Bible is clear. Uh, I'd encourage the readers to read Deuteronomy chapter 6. It indicates uh, not only who is to educate the kids, but how they're to educate. And you go uh, many sections in, in Proverbs, and uh, <clears throat> even in Timothy, um, where Paul talks about how Timothy was educated by his uh, by his family. Uh, but the Deuteronomy chapter six is a key key passage. And our founding fathers certainly believed that parents had the responsibility for education. Uh, public education, like we know today, which probably is more accurately referred to as government education uh, would have been a total anomaly to our founding fathers. Uh, They were educated either in a homeschool environment or in private schools by a school mom or a schoolhouse or a private um, private college or university. So our nation's history is one of private education. And it's only been in the last hundred years that public or government education has become um, the norm. And so what happens is public educators do not really care for the idea of letting parents educate their kids. I heard it said one time that uh, if we let Caesar educate our children, he will turn them into Romans. And I Mm. think there's a lot of truth truth to that, that um, we see some of the errant teachings in our schools. Uh, We look at Assembly Bill 777. Yes. You know, some of these horrible things. uh, It amazes me why the church as a whole isn't making more effort to encourage uh, their members to uh, educate privately, uh, be it the church Christian school or a good Christian school nearby or to homeschool. And for those who want to change the worldview of our kids, they don't want kids being homeschooled. Uh, Frankly, they don't even want them in a a private Christian school. Uh, One of the remedies being looked at, in addition to just trying to have a higher court overturn this decision, is to have a higher court do what's called either depublishing or decertifying. Right. And to depublish or decertify a case uh, would basically say that this case is no longer um, has any precedent-setting value, and it would not be a precedent for other cases. Uh, it would apply only to the case at hand and to no one else. And uh, you know that is something that some of the attorneys for Homeschool Legal Defense and the Civic Justice Institute are evaluating. And that may be one approach that is taken.
1: So we're headed to the uh, state Supreme Court,
3: I would imagine. Well, I would imagine. And uh, there's at least two legal organizations working on this. Um, As a matter of fact, I I might point people to our website. Uh, On our website, uh, for our organization, we have a couple of articles that I think are very valuable for people to see, as well as a link to Homeschool Legal Defense Association, which will have all the latest updates um, on the legal proceedings. So I don't know if it's okay if I give a plug for the Institute for Principal Studies. Absolutely. In fact, we'd encourage Um, you to do that. (laughs) um, People can go just to www.principalstudies.org. That's principal p r i n c i p l e studies uh, s t u d i e s dot o r g, and uh, we have a a couple of articles there that I think every Christian family ought to read uh, about education, as well as some other links. Um, And, you know, just as a a footnote here, uh, really a lot of this is a matter of trend. Um, Mm -hmm. Pretty soon, uh, well, you've heard the expression two steps forward and one step backward. And I fully expect that what we'll see out of this is that this will not end up banning homeschooling in California. But um, they've taken two steps forward. Uh, We probably will get the state to take one step backward. But the question is, when all is said and done – have we lost some liberties along the way? That's right. And so often in political change, uh, there's something called the Hegelian dialectic, which is the idea that there's a thesis, then an antithesis or an antithesis, and then a synthesis. And people who know how to work the political system work that with regularity. <clears throat> and it's basically the thesis is the status quo of the current system, the antithesis is some ruling like this, uh, the synthesis is some blending of the two, some compromise. Mm. And that new uh, synthesis becomes later a new thesis to which a new antithesis is applied. and if you just if the, if the listeners visualize it graphically, what you get over time is just this constant progression one direction or the other. and it's the idea of taking two steps forward and one step backward. and if they keep taking two steps forward and one step backward against homeschoolers uh, or Christians, then we will lose liberties. Gradually and, and surely. it's, it's almost
1: like uh, uh, a corollary would be a compounding interest going the wrong way. Yeah <laughs> right? with, with each decision, uh, the, that interest gets put back against the principle, and, and the original intent uh, gets, gets skewed.
3: Yeah, it really does. And, and you know we, we can see a victory. You know we, we see, oh, there's a huge setback, but oh, we won a victory. We regained 80 percent of our rights, and isn't that great? We regained 80 percent of our rights. And then later, there's another challenge. And, you know, if, if you keep regaining 80% of your rights, pretty soon you've got no rights left. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Well, Mike, thank you again for taking time with us. Uh, we always appreciate your viewpoints and your wisdom. And uh, we'll follow this and maybe check back with you in a couple of weeks and see where we are. Sounds great. Thanks, Thanks so Mike. much. Just a reminder, friends, you can check out uh, Mike Winther's website for the Institute for Principal Studies. That's www.principalstudies.org. That's not as principal at your school. Yeah. That's it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the principal that you stand on, which I hope is not the principal of your school either. But <laughs> it's your <W-W-W- laughs> Principal, that's PRINCIPLE studies.org. And if uh, <clears throat> for some reason you can't find that website, you're welcome to give us a call at 209 That's 209 and we'd be happy to. Uh, to connect you. And, and I was thinking, Elaine, you know, just as we were listening to our friend Mike Winther there, that as we in the church, over decades, have abdicated the role of loving your neighbor as yourself to government, and unfortunately God has allowed the, us the consequence uh, for that, and people in the room today are all about taking that back. That's but right. uh, as we've abdicated the role of loving your neighbor as yourself to the government, we've also abdicated the role of educating our, our children. And I come from a long line of, of public school teachers, you know, so yes. <clears throat> I have mixed feelings about uh, about all of this. But we've homeschooled one of our our, our children, and, and I do believe that Mike is right. You know, if we go back to Deuteronomy 6, the ultimate responsibility for educating children is the parent. Mm-hmm. And it gets a little scary to me when the state begins to encroach on the parent's right to be the de facto and principal educator of uh, of children. So, again, friends, uh, something to pray about, especially for this decision. Again, the link to look at for Mike Winther and the Institute for Principal Studies, www.principalstudies.org.
0: Shall we take a real quick look at the Volunteer Center of the United Way's list of opportunities to serve the Society for the Handicapped Children and Adults, getting ready to have their third annual Adapted <coughs> Bike Camp, uh, Monday, March 24th through Friday, March 28th at the Ustack Middle School in Modesto. This camp providing an immersion experience of bicycle. For children with special needs. This should be uh, a lot of fun. Looking for youth volunteers, you must be at least 12 years uh, or older. Also, adult uh, volunteers must pass a background check. So, if you're interested, we'll give you a phone number in just a moment to call on that. Also, the bridge where you can share your love of numbers with junior high uh, aged youth. We were talking about that just a little bit earlier. Volunteer after school math tutors are needed. uh, So, you want to uh, consider that. can take them through algebra,
1: <laughs> yeah. the new geometry the thing. Geometry, I can't deal with it. So I didn't remember all those formulas. You guys remember all those formulas? I was <laughs> correcting my <laughs> high school. <zero. laughs> I mean, there were formulas sitting there that I was I, flabbergasted me. Were you trying to go somewhere uh, no, with go I, No, go ahead. This is this I'm this sorry kind of amusing, almost uh,
0: entertaining. It, but, uh, almost tutoring is, yeah. is a very big need, and yeah. it's something that our volunteers definitely want to uh, Uh, consider uh, helping out with and again we'll give you that number here in just a moment also the uh, Stanislaw County Police Activities League or PAL uh, where you can get involved with youth ages 6 to 18 and after-school programs Uh, this is a big area with the weather warming up and getting into spring uh, definitely all kinds of activities uh, play games arts and crafts uh, sports activities activities of all kinds basketball football soccer tennis and and volleyball so if you have any Any questions about volunteering for any of these activities, we encourage you to call our good friend Barbara Borba. She's available at 209 524 1307, extension 113. Again, 209 524 1307, extension 113. Or you can always give us a call at 209 544 9571. We'd be happy to connect you with those as well as everything from fixing toilets to donating bicycles, visiting shut ins, and donating. Furniture and friends. Jesus told us that the needs would always be with us, and I'll tell you what—they they certainly are. That.
1: Amen. Uh, Elaine, before we uh, before we introduce our our guests, the God servants who are are here tonight. Mm. Uh, if you're interested in in that interview that we had with Mike Winther, yes. and you'd like to pass it on to others, it is. Uh, we just have that interview alone uh, up on our uh, website, and it's not our regular <laughs> website, but it's our Lighthouse Live website and its LighthouseLive.blogspot.com. It always sounds like something you get on your windshield like you know, when you're driving dogs. up to Sacramento. i got a <laughs> blog spot on my <laughs> But anyway, it's, <laughs> it's Lighthouse Live, <laughs> lighthouselive.blogspot.com, and uh, that interview with Mike Winther is isolated there, so you can just pick that up, download it if you'd like, and you're welcome to uh, distribute that if you'd like to do that.
0: If we want to mention a very special uh, sunrise service coming up this Sunday at uh, Lakewood Memorial Park in Houston.
1: They're coming for me already. (laughs) Just the mention of it,
0: but uh, our very own Pastor Mike Douglas will be uh, preaching on responding to the risen Savior, and that will again be at sunrise, which is very, very early, so we invite you to
1: come. You know the miracle of that? Is, is that I can be cogent <laughs> at six in the morning? That is that's a true a, thing. A very wonderful. That's an act of God, right thing there.
0: Thing indeed, and we just want to uh, invite you out to that. You know, Mike, if we could multiply the group of people around this Amen. table uh, tonight, that would be uh, the ultimate thing. Not that we're into cloning or anything like that, but no, we're that's just, another show. That's a and... whole another thing, and we, we we don't want to do that. But this this group would certainly be a model, wouldn't they? And uh, I tell you my goodness, we we have with us tonight LaShawn Brown, uh, Jim Norby, and Heather Davis and Carl Schroeder. And each of them uh, are going to uh, be able to share and and encourage, and I almost don't know where to begin, but uh, on January 29th of this year, one of uh, our finest brothers uh, graduated uh, to heaven, and uh, many people uh, were impacted and and served uh, and saw Jesus through the life. Uh, and, and the serving of Eric Davis and with us uh, to share and remember uh, Eric uh, is uh, her husband uh, Heather and uh, to talk and share about the volunteerism and the servant's heart of, of Eric is Heather Davis and Heather thank you for oh, joining us tonight we're just so pleased that you could be here uh, to share about uh, Eric's serving and uh, you know Eric was a volunteer here at ABC for a couple of years And I just appreciate you uh, coming to share with us. Thank you for being here.
4: You're welcome. You're welcome. Ah.
1: You know, Heather, I'd be interested in in your perspective because, you know, there's some people, Elaine, when we go out and we talk to them about Matthew 22, 37 through 40, and Jesus saying, love God with essentially your whole being and love Mm -hmm. your neighbor as yourself. And frankly, a lot lot of believers kind of get glassy-eyed over that last part, and and you have to spend a lot of time trying to, you know, convince them that, that, that we need to step out and actually do that. And that, <clears throat> there, are, there are people like the, the, the Davis family, and, and you seem to live it out and get it really naturally. Heather, talk a little bit about uh, what that verse means to you, Christ's command to love your neighbors yourself, and how your family just wrapped uh, your arms around that and, and just let God take you to places you probably thought you'd never go.
4: Oh, I definitely took us to places I never thought we would Mm. go. Um, Eric's motto was just do it. Mm. Taking it from Nike. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, There are so many times when you, I think there are a lot of people out there that really do want to serve, but they think, oh, I'm going to do it tomorrow, or I'm going to figure out a time to do it. And Eric kind of got a little bit, uptight about that and just decided you know what i'm just gonna do it i'm not i'm not gonna wait for anybody else i'm just gonna do it and when he heard about this ministry which was actually um brought to the elders of our church um as a potential for our families in our church to work and help in um he just decided you know what i'm gonna call and i'm just gonna start working at it he he installed um Oh, toilet plunger things, and he put in <laughs> grab bars. Grab and the, bars. Yes, I he, he put yeah. on handles to doors. <laughs> he did all kinds of stuff. He was a handyman, so mm-hmm. that was that was up his alley, anyways. Mm-hmm. But Eric always had a love for the elderly. Mm-hmm. I ever since I've known him, and yeah. that was twenty-two years. Um, we were married for twenty years, mm-hmm. and um, I he always had a love for the elderly, and. Um, so it was his pleasure to go into these houses, and then he took our son with him, our 17-year-old son, um, wanting him to see what it was like to serve and be a part of that also. And we do homeschool our children, so I'm at home with the six children now, and and um, so I didn't get to get involved that much in a lot of those processes. But then we met Esther, and. Um, Eric went there one time to just mow her lawn, and then, from that moment on, it was um, she was a very lonely woman who didn't who lived in a very horrible trailer park mm-hmm. um and just we were kind of stunned by the fact that she had no family and um we chose to uh take her in and um be a part of her life, and uh, she adopted us as her family. Um, our kids went over there constantly uh, d- taking meals, taking um, flowers, taking <laughs> whatever we could get our mm-hmm. hands on, whether it was just going over there to help. I Eric actually had to replace things for her heater and her air conditioning unit and, um, and just things that nobody else could really physically or manually do that. He was able to do for her. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have to be honest. There were times where I thought, Oh, she's calling again. And yet I, Eric constantly reminded me that this was our calling, that this was what the Lord had placed before us, that we were to take care of these people Mm -hmm. and to give them the gospel. And the only way to give them the God or the best way to give them the gospel is through our life. And, um, and he did that very well. He did, Heather. And you know, I have to tell you,
0: I spoke with Esther today, and she said to give you and Carl <laughs> her love. She she just speaks of you every time when she calls here often. <laughs>
4: and she, she says that you adopted her. Uh, well, you know what's amazing about that is that, she um she came over for christmas we she had no place to go so wow. we decided since we were home for christmas we were going to go pick her up she had not left her place i don't think for Months. Mm -hmm. She has no transportation. And so Mm -hmm. um, we had to twist her arm, and Eric got her in the car and brought her over. And and she sat there and enjoyed, you know, eating all the good Christmas food and watching the kids open their presents. And Mm -hmm. it was, it really was a wonderful time. And as I look back at the pictures, and I was sending out thank you cards with the pictures and so on, I thought, You know, there's going to be a lot of people that question why this woman, this strange woman that Mm. they've never met, was in our living room. Mm. And I just, I was so excited to be able to share the story that this woman who had no family finally had a family here on earth that could show her who Christ loved. And um, anyways, Esther has become a very dear part of our family. She would constantly say, there are no other families like you out there. And I kept saying, no, Esther, there are. You just have not met them. There are many families that want to help, that want to serve. They just don't know how to, or they don't know, um, they don't have the ability to find out where those needs are, And um, which I, by the way, thank you for your ministry because there are a lot of people that don't know how to get involved. Um, but then the Schroeders came along, and um, after Eric had passed away, um, it was very difficult for me to go and see Esther for a while. Sure. And, uh, Carl took the kids over a couple of times and, and, um, helped get the lawn mowed and things like that, helped Nathan get the lawnmower over there and, and, um, and so, and then I've found that there's a couple of other families that have gone over to visit her just recently from Big Valley and so mm. on. So I'm really, I am thrilled that she is able to see not just our family, but so many other families that want to help and want to serve in this way.
1: You know, and Heather, what's so important about this to us is, you know, there are some people who are very programmatic minded. And, well, what's the point of going and selling a grab bar? Or what's the point of going and cutting a lawn? You know, uh, you know, I gotta have the four spiritual laws for me, or I gotta do the EE thing. And I'm not knocking that. You know, both of those have been wonderful tools used (laughs) by God. But what's important, what's significant here to me, is that a relationship was built, yeah. and that's what it's all about. Exactly. Is the person in need gets to see, first of all, Christ in action. Mm-hmm. They can. It's the reality. It's the flesh and blood of the living Lord, right out in front of them, meeting their need. You are being Jesus yeah. to those uh, to those people and that's what that's what we pray for every time that we send a volunteer out is is exactly that type of thing you know it's not the obligation to bring the whole person home for christmas but you follow whatever god you know leads you to do and and you mentioned that uh your, your son went out uh with eric and and carl you've taken uh the children out uh tell me a little bit about the impact on them what what it means to them to go out and, and, and start learning at a very early age what loving your neighbor is all about.
4: Well, uh, it, that's so multifaceted in our lives. By the way, we really believe in friendship evangelism. Mm-hmm. I, if if we can't be a friend, um, the light, it's just very hard to shine a light when, when you don't know the person. It's uh, <laughs> yes. Anyways, Amen. on to the other. I My kids have been impacted in many ways Uh, You know, we adopted two children from Liberia, which is another way for us to, um, in our hearts and in our lives, to show God's love to the needy and the orphans, which is another command that God gives Mm. us. And um, I think that all these things are just an extension of our faith. In our walk and our kids, it's really important that we live out what we want our kids to live out. Amen. So for them to be involved in this, for them to see this, for them to go down to, to Rayleighs and pick out um, their favorite salad for Esther. I mean, it's such a, <laughs> a silly thing, it seems like. But you know what? Those things were really important to us because in the long run, they we have shown to them what we expect a Christian to live like and that we hope will be what they do and they extend in their own lives. I would not be surprised if our children adopt other children. I would not be surprised if our children take on other ministries. I would not be surprised if my son someday um, decides to be a deacon in the church and and to take care of others. I, I don't know if the Lord has those callings for our children, but I do know that the impact they have is that they know that the way to love people is to serve. And they are serving. Heather, you are precious. Carl Schroeder, uh, address
0: the relational aspect because you have met Esther. Mm-hmm. And uh, talk a little bit about relationships, if you like.
5: <clears throat> well, um, we got a call. Um, I don't know if it was from you, Elaine, um, but, but shortly after... Um, after eric's passing the need uh the needs that esther had still existed mm-hmm. and uh unfortunately eric was not around uh to meet those those needs and and so <clears throat> we ended up uh, going over there the first time I, I it was probably about uh i don't know 3 or 4 weeks ag- 4 weeks ago something like that um went over and i brought two or three of the davis kids with yeah. me um Becca was one of them and um went up to the door, went inside of her trailer, and the first thing she was mortified because she was still in her pajamas. And she <laughs> she uh That's her you, you know, <laughs> what w- was like, well, you could have called, but 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 the moment the moment we came in, um her her reaction was amazing. Mm. It was um that her her part uh, portions of her family the davis kids had Mm -hmm. come in the door Mm -hmm. and all she could do was embrace them Mm -hmm. and say i'm so sorry i'm so sorry and um it was it was amazing to see that something so um small as as you know uh, putting up towel racks or Mm -hmm. doorknobs or cutting on what an impact it had on on esther Mm -hmm. and there was a a, a beautiful relationship and for me one of the great things is this before we left i asked her if we could pray with her and so we all kind of gathered around her We knelt around her, and we prayed with her. And Mm -hmm. I prayed for her the protection of the covenant, Mm -hmm. and it was a great, great time. Oh,
0: that is so cool. We've got so much more with Jim Norby and LaShawn Brown, and, and we're just so glad that you guys are here. You know, the group Casting Crowns has received awards and certainly our love and affection. And tonight we revisit the song that put them on the map. Uh, So to speak, and it also happens to be the signature song for ABC and a powerful message for us as well, Prince. Asking a very poignant question. If we are the body here on Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike Elaine, and I'll tell you what a great group of our very wonderful friends and volunteers. We have Carl Schroeder, Heather Davis, Jim Norby, and LaShawn Brown with us. And this is just uh, a sample and one of the finest samples of avc volunteers that you're going to find anywhere and we're just thrilled to have you all with us tonight serving the city city servants and washing the feet of the city the way that christ did this is this is it in action isn't
1: it you know i was just thinking we we cite this verse every so often on on the program and when we go out and visit other churches but in ephesians two ten. Paul reminds us that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And uh, including Eric, there's now one person around this table that God has not prepared in advance to do some major things, and, and all we have to do is be available. And you're right, you know, and, and Nike is not like, you know, the spiritual highlight of our uh, community, but... Uh, we do like the just do it thing, and I think that was part of Jesus' uh, thing, too, was just do it. Yes, he did. Just get he it did. done. Yes. And uh, so we so much appreciate all of you and your commitment to answer the call uh, that that God has given you.
0: You know, Jim Norby, uh, I'm glad you've got the microphone right there next to you, Jim, because uh, dear friends, Jim drives uh, people to dialysis appointments and, and medical appointments, and he drives like nobody's business. In fact, Jim was the... Star, if we have a, a star of our last ABC newsletter, and I love this because Jim, I'm going to brag on you a little bit here because you drive with a passion that is just precious and and second to none. Because and, and Jim said this, he drives people as though he's driving Jesus himself. Amen. Now, Amen. And, and Jim, I know you're blushing. You say no, you shouldn't say that, but that's that's the attitude, and that's the that's the spirit that that captures. What we should be doing is we 're out there serving friends and and i've said we 've also you know we 've seen Jim do this and and when he picks up these these precious patients that go to these dialysis treatment which their lives depend on this and and which by the way, there is a huge need for this to to happen and, and Eric did a lot of this as well um, in fact jim uh, you you were very instrumental in in helping the the lady that uh yes. Eric was was taking to the last uh, in fact you want to tell the story about that
6: well eric had taken uh this lady to dialysis on friday and uh he couldn't do it on monday uh he was he lay dying and uh so i got a call from you and i always consider the calls that come from you, from God to you, to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I went out and picked her up, and she didn't know what had happened to Eric. And so I told her, and it just, it was devastating for her because she knew this was a special man, and he meant a lot to her. Um, And so it was an honor for me to drive her. But, you know, the driving is where it starts. But... That's just the beginning. When, when you pick people up, they, they get in your car, they have a medical need, but they have so many more important, inherent needs than that. They are, they have, uh, you know, all children of God. They, um, and so my feeling towards each of these people is that, that they get from me for nothing Total acceptance mm. and total respect, mm. and I am there a hundred percent for them. Um, sometimes that means listening real hard mm. to things that they have to say that may be totally unrelated to their cancer treatment or their dialysis. Uh, sometimes it has to do with their family or the fact that their pain is just so bad, and and the helping that they. The listening, I think, helps a lot. The acceptance helps a lot. Mm. The respect helps a lot. And and because they're all children of God, they don't have to earn that. Amen. They get it out of the chute. And and sometimes you get some great teachable moments when you're driving people. There was a lady you know who died the week before Eric died. I was just
0: going to say, and they shared the last st- Say, uh, the same last name, and this was uh, yeah, and, and you were, were and crying. and I had
6: driven her maybe thirty-five times yes. to her treatment mm. for cancer, mm-hmm. and I was going to pick her up the next Tuesday, and and her care provider called me on Monday and said, you know, she's dead, mm. and and that was devastating. But but um, about oh the last time I took her, she was completing her regimen up at Memorial Hospital. And she was she was in pain and she said, You know, she just really didn't think that anybody cared. Wow. And I said, You know, Teresa, mm-hmm. God Teresa. cares about you and God loves you. And she said, Well, I look where I am. I, I'm in pain and and i and I just don't see that. And I said, Well, I do, mm-hmm. because God sent me to give you a ride and I and we'll see this through to the very end to all through all of your treatments and if he didn't I wouldn't be here but I'll get you to all of your doctor's appointments and I could just see in the rearview mirror kind of all sunk in yeah God did care about her God did love her because of what was happening and, and you know, because we're all children of God, everybody gets the respect, everybody gets the acceptance, 100%.
0: You know, she saw the love and the light through you and was able to, uh, you know, see that through you, Jim. And, and, and I, I just I can't I can't help but but realize that, you know, that door opens up when people say, why are you doing this? You know, it just opens up that door for us to share at that at that point in time, and it's uh, just an amazing uh, thing that that's how God's uh, economy works. Sitting next to Jim, is, can I, can I interject absolutely. something?
1: Absolutely, uh, Jim. We we were talking a little bit earlier about your comments many times that uh, you, you're considering you're, you're giving Jesus Himself a ride. Mm. You know, really. And, and sure. that goes back to Matthew 25, verse 40. And Jesus is he's going through this future time when the sheeps are being separated from the goats. And uh, he says, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And we, we notice uh, it, in the lexicon it does not say it, you did it as if you were doing it for me. You did it for me. And so you're exactly right, Jim. Every time that, that we step out of the four walls of our homes, our churches, wherever we are, and we just sacrifice a little bit of ourselves to serve someone else, we are serving the the risen Lord. We are I, serving Christ.
6: I believe that, Mike, and I really appreciate that verse. I think about it a lot mm. because sometimes you say, Do I really love God? Well, if you pick up a neighbor in need and you care for them, mm-hmm. then you know whether or not you love
1: God. Mm. Just out of curiosity, because you know these stories, we get so many wonderful people that God you know. You know, brings <laughs> across our paths. How that. did we get connected? With, I mean, Jim is like a fixture here. Well, it was, it was
6: meant to be. When I retired, my secretary, um, I told her, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to volunteer, so I'm going to go down and apply at the Salvation Army. And so I did. I filled out the paperwork and I talked to some person down there who I, I guess was important. And about three or four weeks later, um, I, I had lunch with, with my friend again. And I said, she said, well, are you working yet? And I said, no, they, they haven't called me. And she said, well, I know someone who, will, who you need to talk to. And the very next day november 1st 2006 i had an appointment at nine in the morning to see the two of you you and elaine and and that i think within 24 hours i was giving someone a ride and i've i've been stealing from you guys ever since because you know you give me people to take places and and uh, I just feel like a thief because, you know, we all say we get more out of it. it you know, that and and so uh, I I appreciate everything you've given me to do. And one of the things that Eric knew and that, that I know is you either do this or you don't. So when the phone rings and it's Elaine, I... I, I I'll look at the book, and if there's any way I can change it, I will, <laughs> right. because mm-hmm. you know, you either commit to doing something or you just yeah, just yeah, don't right. do it, and if you do, you know, you follow up on your commitments, your reward will will just be overwhelming for you. Mm-hmm. The peace it will give you is just incredible. Amen. Wow,
0: you know. We have a heart, or we don't, mm. to serve and do this. Lashawn is director of the satellite dialysis center here mm. in Modesto, and and at, and at, is it Spanos Court, Lashawn? If I got it right, because you know I'm directly yes, challenging anybody. Yes, it is Spanos okay. Court, I'm, uh, I'm a
2: medical social worker.
0: Medical I'm worker, so- and Lashawn, you have connected us and and so many of our volunteers here with so many opportunities. Uh, to serve, tell us a little bit about the process and address the need and encourage us if you will
2: well the uh I think the first thing that comes to mind uh, hearing Jim and hearing everyone is first to just say thank you for the service that you provided to the number of patients mm-hmm. that I see on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. That may not tell you, but I can tell you personally that they really do thank you. Mm -hmm. And it is, uh, the thing that comes to mind is that um, we all need each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me, uh, there's a song that says, uh, I need you, Uh, we need each other, or something like that, that we need each other to survive. Mm -hmm. And literally, uh, the service that's provided by volunteers is helping others to survive. Amen. Uh, you don't know how much of a blessing you can be to someone until you step out and you are actually in the process of seeing how much of a blessing you can be to that person. And for the volunteers that, are, that think you have a mindset to do that, if you're asking yourself, "Is there a need?" I'm here to tell you that there is a need. And if you're wanting to know how can I get involved, just contact A V C. Mm. Come and be a part of something that is bigger than you. Wow.
7: Mm.
2: Because you you don't know how how much uh, you can do. And you does one person make a difference? Yes. Uh, Jesus made a difference yeah. <laughs> and and it's just a it 's a powerful experience the treasures that you lay up for yourself in heaven by doing the work here on earth, and that it just it 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 takes you being you. it takes giving of yourself a servant mentality that will will be a blessing to so many other people. And I, I, I'm thankful when I get to be share a part of what I see, and what happens. And if I'm able to be a connecting resource, a vessel in that, then that's just a blessing as well.
1: I'm gonna have Lashawn preach on Sunday. Yeah, You <laughs> <wow. laughs> nailed it, brother, right there.
0: Sacrificial uh, giving amen. is what I, I hear in that. Uh, you
1: know, Lashawn, let's talk a little bit about the the need, especially at the uh, satellite dialysis center you know most of us think i need to go somewhere fine i get in my car and i go uh well first of all we're talking about some people here who can't who don't have that uh right. who uh, a lot of them can't afford the taxi ride and on top of that we're talking about a process that is literally a life Supporting process. Let's just yeah. talk about the, the the tremendous need physically that there is for these people, and and the stress that they have having to make that appointment. Oh,
2: it is it is a overwhelming for the people that are going through. If you can imagine uh, putting yourself working, myself working today, and finding out tomorrow that my kidneys have failed. Mm. Uh, I'm the head of my household. Now I deal with a physical disability that is actually going to change my life from this point forward. Let's say I have a family. I am the the center of my family, and now I need some help. There, there are financial uh, problems that people face, that are now you're looking at someone who possibly may not be employed where they uh get their family resources where they used to right. and it becomes a reality and it's very difficult uh in adjusting to that change and a, a number of the patients we have uh, about 100 or so or more patients at the facility that I work at and sometimes you don't know the infrastructure of a family and you think that just because there are numbers that there are people that don't need help. But numbers in a family don't make a family. Mm -hmm. It takes uh, people coming together, caring about each other, and the the physical need that actually is upon the person that is having dialysis, uh, that's about on an average about a three and a half to four hour process yeah. uh cleansing the blood so that they can actually sustain life it is a life sustaining yes. therapy uh and it is for the rest of their life unless they're able to get a kidney transplant which is not always something that's available to everyone so it it is a a real uh strain on a person, physically, emotionally, and definitely spiritually, Mm -hmm. people begin to question, why did this happen to me? Mm -hmm. And when they can actually see that, and I tell my patients this all the time, sometimes you go through something not for you, but for someone else. And in your going through, you are allowing someone to see what God can do. Because in your strength, they're able to have strength. And they're able to see when they come and ask, how can you go through this? How can you do this for the rest of your life? I mean, I would be depressed. I would. And I see patients that step up to the plate. They come three times a week, sometimes four. Different days. Different days. Mm -hmm. And yet you see the power And what God is able to do, and and so if you are listening right now, and you haven't, if you have to say, do I or don't I? Do. (laughs) Just do it. Just do it. And 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 you will you will definitely be blessed. The experience with the person, they let you into an intricate part of their life that they may not have let their own families into. Yeah. Yeah. The relationships are so
1: Well, th- there's another aspect of it, too, and that is although people may have family in the area, there are a lot of people who are very lonely because yeah. their families are very isolated, fractured. And that support is, is not always available. LaShawn, you, you brought up something, uh, and, and this is an important thing for all volunteers and all of us that reach out in the name of Christ to serve others. A lot of hurting people ask why. And and uh, unfortunately, those of us in vocational ministry and the pastorhood have become, uh, un- unfortunately, way too quick to uh, you know, bring up Romans 8.28 and give them a pat answer. And I don't think that's the way that Jesus answered questions like that, Uh, because the reality is when people ask why, why did God allow this to happen to me? Why did he allow this to happen to my family? You know what? The answer is often we don't know. We don't know you know, God has his own but we don't know. And there's an aspect that we need to remember as we're serving people, that when people are in the midst of great pain and suffering, that they don't need a lesson in theology and doctrine right now. What they need is someone just to love them through it. And sometimes the best we, thing that we can say is nothing and be there. And uh, Jim, I think you talked about listening a moment ago and how important it is just to be a a good listener. Carl, Heather, have you run into those types of situations where, where listening just, you know, was was a major factor and seemed to be the best thing that God had for you to do at the time?
4: Um, people are definitely learning that with me right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. As
4: I go through this grieving process. Sure. And, um, you know, as you touch on that, one of the things I, I'm reminded about is as I go through one of the, probably the hardest thing a person could ever go through in their life is that I, I think that I would remind somebody who was going through something so difficult in their life that how can I see this as glorifying to God? Because in all things, we know that everything points back to the glory of God. And um, now I can cry with them. Mm. Now I can put my arm around them and go, you know what? I have suffered yeah. an incredible loss. And yet, I will stand and say that um, all to the glory of God. And with that, how can I see the struggle that I'm going through right now as to the glory of God?
3: Amen. Carl, all your thoughts.
5: Well, when I was uh, two and a half, uh, I was in a car with my family. We were hit by a drunk driver. And my father was killed. And my mother's neck was broken. And I and my brother were in the back of this car, and at the time did not know, of course, uh, as I got older, did not know how and why all that would happen, how that would fit together. Well, I now can relate to Nathan Davis Mm. as as one who's lost his father Mm. in a way that I couldn't have imagined through those years. And also you mentioned Romans 8.28. Uh, a lot of people quote Romans 8.28 at Eric Davis's uh, Sunday morning, uh, the service after that happened. The pastor reminded us of something. People are quick to quote Romans 8.28, but they do not quote Romans 8.29. Right. The reason we suffer is to be conformed to the image of Christ. Yes. And let's not forget, Christ was made perfect through suffering. Yes. Yes. Why yes. would the children who he's called not also be made perfect through suffering all the things we go through ultimately are to, to conform us to the image of his son yeah that's
4: right it
0: is that's right well, unfortunately we have uh, run out of time and would love to keep you but want to thank you each for joining us I want to thank you at home or wherever you may be listening for listening join us next week pastor mike atinsky joins us have a great week and may god bless you